Folks, The Handlebar is a craft beer bar and restaurant right here in Chico, California, and they have a happy hour seven darn days a week from 2 to 6 p.m. when you get a dollar off every single one of their 28 draft beers. Again, that's The Handlebar right here in Chico on the south end of town at 2070 East 20th Street, the best happy hour in town if you ask me and Johnny. Go check them out. They're open seven days a week. That happy hour, again, is 2 to 6 p.m. every day of the week. A dollar off all of their craft beers. Go have a good time. Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hey, welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema, a craft beer and movie podcast and radio show where each and every week we give you an update. We let you in on the inside scoop on the hopefully mostly exciting things, but sometimes disappointing things going on in the worlds of craft beer and film. My name's Max Minardi. And I'm Johnny Summers. Thanks for joining us. This week, uh, our review of the third installment into the Equalizer franchise, which stars Denzel Washington as Robert McCall, a wickedly skilled assassin type distributing vigilante justice upon basically anyone he sees fit. But before we get into that, um, Johnny, tell the listeners what we're drinking this week. I read that wickedly as John Travolta introducing Adina Menzel. Wickedly, at the Adele Dazim. I know. Uh, wickedly. That's one of my uh, favorite we... moments in in probably television history. Because he, he gets so caught up in saying wickedly and has never rehearsed her name. So he just goes, instead of Adina Menzel, he goes, Adele Dazim. And it's the yep. best. It brings me so much yep. joy. Yep. Anytime I see the word wickedly written down that someone has to read, I'm like, <laughs> John Travolta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we're recording remotely this week, and that means we're drinking two separate beers, uh, completely unique from one another, and also separated by multiple counties and at least one state line. Sure. Uh, this week, I'm doing a beer called uh, Zeal mm-hmm. Nelson. Uh, it is a double IPA, eight percent from Eridita, Eridita, Edita Menzel uh, beer out of <laughs> North Haven, Connecticut. And Max is drinking a beer called Lychee Jaime. It's a fruited sour. It's 4.2% from Onibi Beer Company Pilot Brewing out of Jackrabbit in Sacramento. That's right. If you're listening on KZFR 90.1 FM, we hope you're having a terrific Saturday afternoon. On the radio version of our show today, you're going to be hearing our episode almost in its entirety, which will eventually include spoilers for the Equalizer 3, which I think I'm going to, from now on today's episode, call it the Threequalizer. That said, those spoilers won't be until about 430 On the other hand, you could go see the movie and then just listen to the podcast version of our show, which, in addition to our beer reviews and thoughts on the film, includes the always unpredictable Hot and Bothered segment, which is exclusive to our podcast listeners. And it's how we end the show each week, by catching up with each other, um, discussing all the fun stuff that we don't always get to talk about uh, on, on the radio show. So don't miss it if you would like to. That's right. If you want to find that, you're going to go search Fresh Hop Cinema on Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, all other platforms. We release new episodes every Friday since 2016, which means it's available to all of you listening on KZFR right now. If you like the show, go take five seconds and leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. And please let us know that you did. You're going to text us to brag or with feedback about the show, the movies, the beer, whatever you like. The weather. We don't care. Sure. Uh, 530-433-0839. Again, the number for the podcast, direct line to Max and Johnny, 530-433-0839. To hang out with us on social media, you're going to search Fresh Hop Cinema on Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd, or Untapped, or just head over to the website, freshhopcinema.com. 
All right, let's talk Patreon. If you don't know what it is, here's the very quick elevator pitch. Basically, Patreon is a platform that some creative type, I believe named Jack Conti, uh, thought up as a way to have people support his art uh, on a on a per art basis. So for us, our art is our podcast episodes. So if you're like, hey, you know, I'm not a huge, I don't have a business, I don't need to advertise on your show, but I, I am an enthusiastic listener, I'd like to help out. That's what Patreon's for. You can take a buck or two bucks or three an episode and you can say, I want to keep your guys' show rolling and hopefully you give me something back in return to which we say, gen very generous review. Yes, we do. We give you invites to exclusive events. We um, give you uh, exclusive access to bonus episodes where we will have sometimes other guests from Patreon come and talk about their favorite things or where Johnny and I will just kind of go off the rails and talk about whatever kind of comes to mind. We have a... A, an occasional, I would say at least three times a year, we'll bet a four loco on something. And sometimes we will record what happens after we drink that four loco. And it's, I can't always say it's quality uh, family entertainment, but it's fun for us. So that's what it's a good time. Is. That's for sure. Um, if you'd like to find it, you go to patreon.com slash fresh hop cinema. Johnny, give people a reminder. Um, and this is just for our patrons, what we do have coming up. Oh yeah, we got a bar hang coming up uh, next Monday, September eighteenth. Yep, so that's if you're the in only the know, that's all you get. Uh, so if you want to know more, you got to join Patreon. Uh, but if you're in Patreon, check all the usual spots. We posted it on Patreon in the Facebook group, in the Messenger group, uh, all the ways we get a hold of you, beautiful people. Right. We also have a couple of Patreon birthdays to shout out. Um, and I didn't realize that two of these people who we very much like shared a birthday. That birthday being this year, Friday. September 9th, that's Jared Schmidt and Philip James. So happy birthday, fellas. Um, I haven't seen either of them in, in far too long. I know Jared doesn't quite live as close as Philip. I don't know what Philip's excuse is. Yeah, I don't either. Oh, he's got a kid. That'll do it. That might, yeah. He's, and I mean, either, yeah. you know, and we have bar hangs sometimes on Monday nights, which isn't always conducive to everybody's schedules, but regardless Shoot, of- Half the time, they're not great for me. Fair. Regardless of how long it's been since we've seen those people- very happy birthday to you guys. Hope September 9th was a wonderful one. I also want to give a shout out to um, our, our, I will say, forever patron, uh, Sean Aarons, who passed away a couple years ago, but we're recording the day of his birthday, September 12th. So he was one of our first patrons once we started this thing in, I think we started a Patreon December of 2016, and we started the podcast just like three months before that. And Sean jumped on board and was, was all, he lived, he lived out of the state, so he could never come to events, but he was always, uh, a very avid supporter of this and uh birthday shout out to him, I think is in order. I love it. That's Patreon in a nutshell. Johnny, let's get into, uh, that's not even fair for me to say. Why don't you, sir, get into beer number one and I will just live vicariously through your palate today. What are you drinking? Right on. I am drinking Zeal. It is a beer from Eredita. You pick. Beer. I'm going to go with whatever you say because it's not in front of me. Eredita. Okay. Yeah, it's a double IPA, 8%. Purchased at S&S Produce right here in Chico. And from the can or the website, I can't remember. Either way, from this piece of paper in front of me, I read. Uh, this beer is brewed exclusively with Nelson Sauvin hops from Freestyle Farms in New Zealand. It's an 8% ABV beer, a simple grist of barley, oats, and wheat dry hopped with Nelson Sauvin. Are we going with Sauvin now? Sauvin? I mean, in the past, we've always said Sauvin. Salvine. But again, it's in front of you, so whatever you want to say today is fine with me. I just want to make sure I'm using the proper nomenclature that makes you happy. Uh, I mean, which one is correct? Nelson Salvine? You know, I can't say for certain. Most of the information I'm going off of is my memory of how we've pronounced it. So that's where I'd lean. I'd go towards Salvine because it's fun to say, but I couldn't tell you truthfully 100%. 
This this hump will forever be known as Nelly Sovin. <laughs> okay, great. So I have a question for you right off the bat, my friend, which is that you knew you'd be drinking a beer alone. You didn't necessarily have to factor in my palate. And you chose mm-hmm. a style of beer, which is probably not your favorite, unless I'm just completely making this up. Is it a, is it a hazy double or is it a West Coast double? Uh, just upon looking at it in my glass, it looks very hazy. Yeah, I think I read that it was, so I was curious why mm-hmm. you would have chosen that, and it sounds like what you're leaning towards is that you didn't maybe know that that was the case. No, I did. Okay, why then? Tell me. Uh, I like to drink things that I don't normally enjoy just because it's a good way to be surprised. I like reviewing things critically. Like if you just watch movies or drink beers that are the style that you prefer all the time, it kind of gets boring to talk about them. Uh, I think there's a lot more room to be surprised in a genre of anything in life that you don't particularly enjoy. But if you find one that you find redeeming things in, or maybe it changes your mind on a style, a genre, be it film, music, art, whatever, uh, it's fun to live outside the box. So I like to break my own rules, man. Be a wild man. Just go crazy. Drink that hazy beer. Just for the hell of it when Max isn't here. We're going to get that on a bumper sticker for you. Just go crazy. Drink that hazy. But yeah, it's the high risk, high reward kind of philosophy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Exactly. All right. I don't have the can in front of me. I saw a picture when I did the notes, but would you kind of walk me and the listeners through what the can itself looks like? Size of the can, sort of artwork, if there is any, you know, the usual suspects. Yeah, it's a 16 ounce can, silver aluminum. Well, aluminum colored aluminum, I guess. Uh, it's got a black full full size sticker with some really cool metallic purple. It's all like flat black. And then the the logo the Eredita logo and zeal and uh, all the lettering on it. And one purple stripe right around the bottom. It's uh, very minimalist, but super eye-catching. Um, this is one of the random beers that Andy recommended that they only had one from that brewery in. And I'm like, I'll just grab it for when I have to record alone or if we need content for Instagram. To clarify, a one, one on can there. left or only one selection from the brewery? Oh no, they only had one from the brewery. Got I think it. this was a this was a brand new beer that they had put on the shelf, I want to say maybe a week ago. Oh good. Um I brought this home, yeah, not that long ago at all, and it immediately came in handy. So uh 16 ounce can, really cool label. Love the purple, love the little bird logo that they have. I'm not sure if that's the brewery or uh what, but it looks like an outline maybe of a bird with like one wing extended. Okay. It's hard to say, but yeah, and this is actually, um, it was brewed and packaged by 12% in North Haven, Connecticut for Eredita beer. So both of our beers this week are being uh, gypsy brewed. Okay, well, that's, yeah, what a lovely what a lovely coincidence we have. Right, didn't even plan that. Um, last thing I want to ask about the can, I suppose, is, is there a canning date on this beer? Yes. What you got? Oh, uh, you asked me that. Hold on, I got to flip it over with. Oh, yeah. 72423. Okay. Uh, if anybody's listening in the future, far in the future, that is about, I don't know, two months ish, just under two months. Is that right? Yeah. 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 So great. It's like six weeks. Six yeah. weeks. Yeah. Month and a half. Perfect. Well, let's get into it, man. It sounds like it's in your glass. It looks like a hazy beer. Any other visual, visually striking things of note that you feel like need to be addressed for people that can't see what you're seeing? Uh, super pale, very yellow, uh, pale, bright. Super, very hazy. I've got some head that's sticking around, uh, like a little thin layer of head. It's not super frothy, but it's definitely still present, and I like that that's hanging around. Great. Uh, you definitely can't see through it. There is zero uh, see-through ability. There's a fancier word for that, but that's the word we that you get. We could say transparency. We could say opacity. I'm going to say see-through ability. As, we, as you should. 
Yeah. All right. So yeah, it looks on paper like a beer that I would not usually order. Great. Well, I can't wait to get your thoughts on it. Have you actually tried it yet? I have been sipping it for a minute. I just took a big old sip. Okay. Just so to get a refresher. First, second, third impressions. What's this beer doing for you? Well, it's immediately mellower than I expected in the sweetness, which because whether you like it or not, that's the first thing that I, I go for palate-wise. Like Not that I go for, but that stands out is the sweetness level. It's the first thing that hits me, either in a good way or a bad way, right. with the style. And I'm not getting too much sweetness. It's got a really mellow, mango-y quality mixed with some some heavy pininess. It's I mean, really it sounds juicy. so far so good for you. It's pretty good, man. It's it's really juicy up front, but then it kind of finishes dry, and you get that hot presence throughout the middle to the back of the drinking experience. Um, no, I'm enjoying this. This is kind of a beer that is actually up my alley, and I think it's the the double where yeah. You get more hops, but sometimes you do a double hazy and it just doesn't, it, you, it's like doubles down on the sweetness. Whereas this one, I think um, it actually gets a ton more hops and, and you get more balance and it sways more towards the the dry and the piney with those mango notes kind of sprinkled in. Definitely not like a crazy West Coast. I mean, it is not super bitter, but it is, it's there. Uh, it reminds me of like a good double dry hopped beer, though, with the with the hoppy profile or, or the the mm -hmm. the um, maybe aroma and less of the spiky bitterness from the hops, but still hop presence. Is that what you mean? Yeah, exactly. Like a double dry hopped double IPA, you'll still have like a ton of hops, but it's just so smooth. No, it's it's velvety, it's pillowy. Um, I'm getting a little bit of like overripe tropical fruit at some points, but. Overall, pretty well balanced. I'm not not hating this beer. That's man. I'm always a little bit bummed out when we are recording separately and you have a hazy beer that you like because often that means it's a beer that I would love. I think that's happened the last like two times. It really has, man. I don't. It's fine. I'm glad you're doing it. If anything, it's going to inspire me to pop by SNS myself and, and pick up a can. Was it fairly affordable for a for a 16 ounce? I don't remember, man. We're rich. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, also, to to just kind of briefly create and close a loop, um, I'm going to say it's eredita because it's originally borrowed from Latin, the, the Latin word for hereditary. And okay. the, the meaning of it today is basically sort of like inheritance. So I was okay. looking into, because I'm, I'm looking at the same logo that you saw, which is definitely an outline of what I would call maybe an owl with one of its wings outstretched. And like a he's very, pointing over there. Yeah, he's pointing with his little three little lines of a wing. And you can kind of infer that it's an owl. You, somebody else could probably call it an eagle. I'm an owl guy, so that's what I see. But to my knowledge, no connection between the, the visual logo and the name of the brewery. So I just wanted to figure that out. Uh, and I essentially solved nothing except a little bit of etymology. So maybe you're welcome. Be an it could be an inverted shuttlecock. Yeah, I think I think that's a less common visual thing. Like if you were to take if you were to take a Rorschach test, I feel like you would come up with loom devices more often than other people for some reason maybe isn't that what that is oh no no no, no that's that's well, no that's that's you're right that's um that, what's the game badminton badminton no it's just a shuttle when you're doing weaving okay such a yeah all right fair enough they add the cock during badminton we are all closer to death now because of that tangent and no mm -hmm. wiser for it well slightly i guess do you have anything you know what that a shuttlecock you're, is you're not liking about this beer you know it does tend to or lend itself to being just a little bit too sweet for my sensibilities, but 
for the style and how much I am on record as disliking it, uh, it is not a level of sweetness that would kill this beer for me. But that is the one negative is it does have those prominent sweet notes and the the juicy, fruity kind of smoothie notes like orange juicy almost. Um, and those are just things about the style that I don't find particularly enjoyable. Um, and Fair those enough. are present. They're present to a degree that I find it tolerable. And I like the hop presence enough that I would keep drinking it. Are, yeah. Fair. I mean, fair enough. That's a pretty glowing review for you and for that style. I think that's great. Are you ready to give it a rating? Don't think it about like it. It's like a 6.7. 6.7. Great score, all things considered, Johnny. Again, that's Zeal. Um, that's Aretta to Beer. Do you have any other thoughts that uh, I should know or that the listeners should know, Johnny, or should we keep keep on rolling? I would definitely recommend it. I mean, if you're more of a West Coast person like I am, but you want to mix it up a little bit or you're in the mood to share something with someone that likes this style, I think it's it's got enough hop presence to, to be enjoyable for like an IPA purist, and it has enough of those new age, like modern, juicy elements that it's going to intrigue a wide audience. I think it's definitely worth picking up, and uh, I'm pretty impressed. Once again, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema. If you've tried Zeal and you think Johnny got it wrong or you think that he definitely got it right, Get in touch. Please let us know. You can leave a voicemail. You can send a text message. Our number is 530-433-0839. Positive or negative, we do love feedback. Again, our number is 530-433-0839. And hey, if you like the show, help us out and leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, it only takes a couple seconds. It's one of the most effective ways to help us get our show in front of new potential listeners. So get us in that algorithm. Get us to the top and help spread the word. What's next is a trailer for the equalizer or the the three equalizer, nice. as Max would say. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, don't worry. There are no spoilers in our next segment, so don't don't go anywhere. Nine seconds. That's what I'll give you to decide your fate. Ciao Roberto. Ciao Roberto. Roberto, tell me, what did you do back home? Government work. I'm retired now. I understand pain, death, or you. Who is that? My bandy. <laughs> because of these people, I'm beginning to understand real peace. Roberto, this is my wife. Ciao, ciao. Oh. And I'm starting to believe. Ciao, Gianzo. They see you as one of us now. This is where I'm supposed to be. What happens here happens in many towns. The Mafia. They're like cancer. No cure. Who said you could come here? You should stay out of other people's business. Whatever it is you and your friends do, do it somewhere else. You warning me? I'm preparing. <laughs> Is that a Timex? No, it's a boot. That's the median nerve that I'm compressing. That's a level three. If it goes to level four, you will shit on yourself. You seem like a man who understands violence. I like this place. 
You can't take that from me. I can take anything I want. Police found multiple dead bodies on that farm in Sicily. Did you kill him? Nine seconds. Do I look like a killer? <laughs> If you're just joining us, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, a show with me, Johnny, and that guy, Max. Hello. It's a show about the worlds of craft beer and film. If you're listening on the radio waves of KZFR 90.1 FM, thank you for joining us. But sadly, you're going to be missing out on some absolute gold. It's going to be available exclusively to podcast listeners. Uh, it's the rest of the episode. You don't get to hear it here. You got to go download it. If you want to hear the whole episode, go subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform that you download podcasts from. It's currently available for your streaming pleasure. So at the end of this, if you're just dying to know what all the hot and bothered fuss is about in our last segment, go have a listen. All right, here's the internet synopsis. Since giving up his life as a government assassin, Robert McCall, that's Denzel Washington, finds solace in serving justice on behalf of the oppressed. Now living in southern Italy, I think that's an oversimplification, he soon discovers his new friends are under the control of local crime bosses. As events turn deadly, McCall becomes their protector by taking on the Italian mafia. This was directed by Antoine Fuqua, who also directed Equalizer 1 and Equalizer 2. He also directed The Magnificent Seven and Training Day. If you're looking for a common thread between all those movies besides him, it's Denzel Washington. He likes working with the guy. He's done a couple other things that did not have Denzel, like he did Southpaw with Jake Gyllenhaal back in 2015. And yeah. I know there's one more I'm forgetting about, but I digress. This film was written by Richard Wenk, who also wrote the second Equalizer. Of course, it stars Denzel Washington, again, as Robert McCall. There's a lot of people here, um, but I'll just start off by saying after, after he gets shot early on in the movie, not fatally, of course, he is rescued by a fellow named Gio who works for the police, uh, and that's played by um, Eugenio Mastrandrea, and he is nursed back to health by Dr. Enzo, played by Remo Giron. There's a lot more people we'll talk about, lots of big bads, um, not a whole lot of subtlety when it comes to the villains in this movie, but I'm sure we'll name drop them when the time comes. It came to United States theaters after a premiere in Italy uh, on September 1st. It runs a tight hour and 49 minutes, which I thought you know, could have gone a little bit longer not that I wanted it to go longer, but that, uh, you know, I could see this being stretched out and I'm sort of glad it didn't. I agree with that. Johnny, where are you at with the Equalizer franchise? I saw the first one. I heard that they released a second one and you made me watch the third one. Sounds about right. Did you like the first one? It was fine. I didn't love it. Yeah. The whole, if you're not familiar, the whole thing is that Robert McCall did work for the government and he's a meticulously time centered kind. It's almost like if you took the fight sequences from Sherlock Holmes, but put Denzel Washington in there and didn't have narrative overdubs telling you what's about to happen. He's very precise. The combat's very gritty and brutal. It's almost like Sherlock Holmes meets John wick kind of. And that was the, that was the whole appeal for me for the first movie. And I think I saw the second, but I don't really remember the reason as you so eloquently put, kind of, that I wanted to see this third one, is that I was hoping for some of that from the first. And also, it's Denzel Washington. 
Like, I'm going to watch pretty much anything that he's in. It's not all going to be good. I don't think this probably falls under the good category, but it's Denzel. So that's why I made you watch it. But what were your thoughts with this movie, dude? Well, um, yeah, this was a very throwback feeling action movie, as I remember the first one being. Uh, if you told me this movie was made in 1995 or 2001, I wouldn't be surprised either way. It's got that level of complexity in the plot coupled with some just sheer brutal violence and um, character development that is present but goes about three and a half feet. Um, you know, this movie is, is is centered around a plot that is basically like three points. It's Yeah, can you say those three points? <laughs> Ex good guy, yeah, sure, is now semi bad guy, like vigilante style. But okay. like, w- okay, wants to live a life in peace. Plot two, point wait, two. is that okay? You're right. That's true. That's true. And then beat three, good people that have accepted him as their own are wronged by a big bad. And then step four, retired, really bad dude from some sort of military or you know, some sort of karate dojo background has to step in and save everyone because they've accepted him as their own. And then boom, that's the movie. You're saying those are four sort of template kind of plot blocks points that, uh okay, sure. Yeah. And it's been done and done and done and done. And I'm curious why there's three of these movies. Uh, I think the first one kind of got it. Like we got the idea. Uh, I'd be curious to see how these are doing, not critically, because I think I know the answer to that. But commercially. uh, Fiscally, uh, commercially, I'd be curious to see how they are faring. But uh, from this reviewer's perspective, I think this is an unnecessarily retro movie in feel and plot device uh, without giving us enough of the... Uh, retro badassery of some of the movies from like the nineties and early two thousands for an action movie that is centered around physical combat and violence. There was maybe two and a half fight scenes in this movie. Uh, And I thought that was very anticlimactic. I felt like it was this weird John wick knockoff that didn't really commit. And they tried to make Denzel's character more complex than it was. And there was, the, I did the weird flashbacks did nothing for me. Uh, and then there was this weird, for some reason, momentary like date slash love interest that that scene could have just not existed. And this movie would have just been eight minutes shorter. And you got to all... care about the the village, man. You got to care about yeah, the peasants. You don't have to want to touch someone's butt to care about the village. Like I get it. It, it helps. doesn't need it to helps. be. A... <laughs> Okay, but then you if know. if you're gonna do that, like go full on like kickboxer or any of the terrible eighties, nineties, two thousands movies where it's like that they become like a thing and he has to fight to defend her honor too. Why not throw that in there? Like totally. You're going they're going halfway with some of these action movie tropes, and I feel like it lacked commitment and follow through. And if they would have maybe pushed some of those a little bit further, it uh, it would have served the overall film better but instead they tried to add subtlety to an overly aggressive heavy-handed violent action movie where the balance of the two did not meet in the middle for me with any sort of cohesion so 
pretty cold on this movie. Uh, overall, I think I I might have hated it. Out of ten, two point five. Yeah, it's you know what's funny is it basically is the Magnificent Seven in a lot of ways because the movie starts mm-hmm. out with I think a pretty brutal. You see kind of the the aftermath of Denzel's work, and we linger on some pretty disturbing deaths of nameless baddies, right? With no context. Zero, which we do get later. They, they, they tie that up, but he, he ends up getting shot in the back by a child. Are we okay saying that? It's pretty early sure. on in the movie. I think it's okay to say it. Yeah. Which sends him on his, his new journey where he has to rest up in this, this Italian seaside town and falls in love with, with the town and the people. And, and maybe he's not cut out anymore for, for all the stuff he's been doing. Maybe he just wants mm-hmm. to finally relax. Then, of course, he falls in love with the town. Bad guys show up. Then he has to defend the town. That's the Magnificent Seven, which is also That's, not even a Fuqua movie originally. But No, but it's, it's like 37 other movies, too. You're right. I am just harping on that one because of the director uh, tie-in. Tie but Totally. I mean, I'm with you, man. Like, there's, there's nothing new here necessarily. I think what I was bummed about was that they let go of some of that intellectualism that his character had he was so good as i recall at outsmarting the bad guys mm-hmm. and here not only are the action scenes either brief or not shown like in the first one where we just kind of see what happens mm-hmm. they're also like they're just kind of underwhelming and there, there's one sequence where he gets to kind of have a conversation which shows his maturity over another bad guy but the problem there is the bad guy is the most turned up to 11, immature, loud, death threat towards children, women, just an insane villain that any amount of restraint would have made the hero look incredible. So I wish mm-hmm. I just, the characters are pretty shallow. The action's not great. It doesn't really pay off. There's a whole side character with Dakota Fanning, which was fun seeing them in a movie together again uh, for the first time since Man on Fire. But that was just a fun nod. And I don't necessarily think even that had to be in the mix, really, because no. all of the stuff that happens with them are basically underhands that he throws them that he already knew. Like, there's, there's a lot of stuff that didn't need to happen here. It's pretty underwhelming. Truth be told, full transparency, there's not a ton of stuff out in theaters that we wanted to cover and haven't. So we, this was kind of like, for me, just, all right, it's Denzel and it's action and it might be okay. And I, and I would say I, for me, go ahead. Oh, you know, you finish up for me. It was slightly under. Okay. It's, it's like a three out of 10 for me. Terrible ratings from both of us. Yeah. Not a good movie or whatever, but you know, here we are. Yeah. What were you and saying? as a testament to the, the lack of, of options at the particular moment, I didn't have a counter argument to, right. yeah, That's but it's thing. Denzel. Like, or like, this. That was, <laughs> no, that was like- the kicker. You're like, but it's Denzel. And I'm like, ah, it's Denzel. you got me. You know, like, like that I, was enough. Denzel, that, yeah. Denzel, movie stars are kind of the like good movie stars are sort of the opposite of good baseball players. I think where even the best baseball players have kind of trash batting averages. If you're thinking out of a thousand, like the best mm-hmm. batting average is like a well, I don't know, like a point three is like amazing. Oh, you hit three hundred, you're gonna like go into your the hall, hall of, fame. of fame. And I think you know, actors, a great actor is probably batting like nine hundred. You know, mm-hmm. and I think I would say Denzel movies. Most are good. I don't know about nine out of 10, but I would say four out of five Denzel Washington movies are at least pretty good, if not awesome. Yeah. Certainly him in those movies. I think I think he makes every movie better. Like if you put Liam Neeson in this movie, garbage. 
And they're doing similar types of movies. At least Liam Neeson is doing these movies consistently. And I would yeah. lump this in. If you had read me the plot, told me about the movie and said, and and the lead star is Liam Neeson, I'd be like, that makes sense. That would that's a total that's a total Neeson move. Oh yeah, because he's done like four or five movies with yeah. this exact plot that you've never even heard of. Right. And that's why this movie is a little bit better than that. It's because of Denzel. Which is why I think we I'm glad I saw it. You know? Why not? I want to be like, I want to just take a couple months and watch all of Denzel's movies back to back and like rank. That'd be them. fun. It'd be so fun. It'd be time consuming, but you know. Well, I mean, yeah, but also like that's a fun journey. I'm trying to do that with what's his name? Cronenberg. I've fallen off quite a bit, but I need to get back on it. But the senior or the junior? The senior. Yeah. He's got a bunch, but nowhere near as many as Denzel has. I think Denzel's probably been in, if I had to guess, probably like 60 movies. Do you think it's that high? Yeah, I do. I, I can't tell you for sure. We could probably look. We'll yeah. look it up here before we hit the danger zone, which is all to say. Yeah. Do you have anything else you feel like we need to spoil or, or sorry, need to talk about before we spoil? Uh, unlike Max, I am not happy I saw it. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, anything you haven't already said in in essence? Because um, I think that was clear. No. Great. Once again, you've been listening to Fresh Hop Cinema. I'm saying that because you might be listening and just tuning in on KZFR 90.1 FM. If you have anything, and if you, here we go, if you've got thoughts on anything <laughs> that we've discussed on the show today so far, um, please do get in touch. You can text or call us 530 433 or of course, send a good old-fashioned email to fhccast at gmail.com. When we come back, we'll be discussing the threequalizer with spoilers. So if you haven't seen it yet or you haven't seen any action movie from the past 20 years that you might consider generic, this is your second to last warning. Don't touch that dial or that podcast changing button on your phone because we will be right back with The Danger Zone. Danger Zone. All right. Welcome to The Danger Zone. It is the portion of the show where we give you your last warning because we are now, amongst each other, free to spoil anything we want in the threequalizer. So I don't know. I, you know, I don't. It goes the way you think it'll go. I will say less good guys died than I thought would die, given yeah, the intensity maybe, of the villains. Exactly. Or maybe should have because like, who do you that kill maybe off? would have given it some stakes. Yeah. yeah. Who do you who do you kill off? Uh, you could have killed the guy that owns the fish shop. No problem. <laughs> Angelo. <laughs> yeah. Angelo had a tough time, dude. Him and, he um, and, and Gio, the cop, like yeah. just, he, you know, he got punched in the face. His family he was got shot in the ear. He got, and I love that the bad guy after that was like talking to him almost in a whisper, like, tell me who did this. Like, he's not going to hear you, dude. You shot you a gun shot. point blank and shot off part of his ear. You yeah. maniac. Rude. Um, yeah, but whatever, you know, Denzel wins in a fairly, I think, unsatisfying boss finale. Dude, so lackluster. Symbolically Talk about a cool, letdown. But because there's one theme that they harp on, and it's it's from the beginning of the movie, basically. Denzel says it over and over again. I'm I'm where I'm right where I'm supposed to be. So he says mm -hmm. it once, then he gets shot. He ends up in Dr. Enzo's house, I guess. House is slash doctor? office. That's how, okay. That's how they used to do it, man. Back oh. in the day. It was, well, this is not back in the day. This is modern day. Modern day back in the day Italy. Because okay. this is tiny town. They don't well, have a hospital. So They've Denzel, got Dr. Enzo's house. Denzel's like, where am I? And Enzo's like, you're you're exactly where you need to be. And he's like, oh. You know, there, there's elements of spirituality here, too. I think there's a lot of that in some Denzel movies where there's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, an idea of a higher power having some influence over the fate. It's fate. Mm -hmm. So it keeps happening in the movie. Like I'm right where I'm supposed to be. And he uses it as like a, 
almost like a signature line after he's about to kill somebody. Like I'm boom, that bullet's you know right where it's supposed to be. He doesn't say it like that, but but that's the gist. And I think symbolically, if we're latching on to that motif, the final sequence where he's had the 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 drug man overdose on his own drugs that he's been polluting his own town with and his own people, and then watching him crawl away. That's exactly where he's supposed to be. And I think Denzel's like, I'm not, I don't need to interfere anymore, even though I did just basically murder you, but I'm just going to walk with you in a kind of on the nose parallel procession intercut with like, you know, a, a cultural kind of celebration. They're two different marches, very different ideas, but um, bookending thematically kind of what's happened in the movie, which is a nice touch, but also like a little bit, you know, a little bit uh, elementary, dear Sherlock. Yeah, and elementary and lackluster, Watson. man. It was. Yeah, I was super let down. I was like, "Oh, cool." He just like snuck up on him and hit him in the back of the head and drugged him and then watched him die. Yeah. Ah, big big grand finale there, guys. Watch out. Ooh, there's whoa. so the the other problem is there's the main the main villain we're talking about who I don't even remember his name. I think it might have been it might have been Marco or it might have been Vincent. They're two brothers, and basically one is in. Is I think it might be Naples. I think it's Naples where the older mm-hmm. brother is who's kind of doing the drug stuff. And then yep. his younger brother is in this um, seaside city, which is Altamonte. And mm-hmm. he's kind of like, you know, him and his biker gang, some of them sitting two on a motorcycle. I, we were laughing about that in the theater. Like, why? why so hard to look They can't tough, afford, dude. like, why are they doubling up on some of those? And they're all these yeah. little, like, crotch rockets. So there's this kind of, like, kind of you know, like they're cuddling a buck 70 soaking wet kind of head guy. Who's the younger brother. And he's got mm-hmm. his muscle and they go from business to business, very classic mafia. And like, Hey, you owe us money for this week. And eventually like one guy, Angelo, the fish market guy can't pay. So he beats him up. And that's when Denzel starts to notice. And that's when we're like, all right, they were obviously bad looking, but now they've done something bad. They're not mm-hmm. great. Don't hate them. And then they like burn the guy's house down, like m- try to murder some, they throw an old guy off. For- no, that's the other brother. Whatever. Mm-hmm. They turn bad really quickly. And mm-hmm. I hated those guys so much more than I hated what ended up being the quote unquote main villain. And right. I think that was a mistake. Like, and also we got rid of the little guy pretty quickly. Yeah. He was around to be a real jerk for like not long at all. I also don't understand what Denzel's character thought was gonna happen if he murdered older brothers, younger brother, and a whole crew you know, for everybody to see, like, of course they're going to come back and like try to kill everybody in town. And he didn't seem to have a contingency for that. He was like, here I am. Take me. That was his whole plan. Yeah. I don't know. That's to me that that's a bad plan. Yeah. Kind of taking some serious gambles with other people's lives there, Denzel. Yeah. And he just comes out of the shadows like, all right, fine. Like I'll put down my guns just, you know, and you can have me, but don't, don't do it here. And then the bad guy says the most obvious thing, which is of course I'm going to do it here. It's where everybody can see and I can make an example of you. Yeah, and then everyone starts live streaming and that like convinces that was him too. to not. That was so weird. Because <laughs> if you think of it from the villain's perspective, he's a moment before was like, I want everyone to see. And then one of his henchmen's like, literally everyone's going to see, dude, they're filming. He's like, we got to go. <laughs> Maybe it was too many people. Like, I don't know. It was unclear to me. And he was like, the cops are coming. He's like, but I own the police. Why are you running? I don't get it. It was weird. Yeah. No. The 
Yeah, disappointing, man. Just it was not a good ending or there, beginning there was, or middle. There was a great henchman kill scene where Denzel snuck up behind him and and strangled him with like a cord, and apparently eventually saws his head off for no yeah. reason, <laughs> which is also great because it wasn't like it wasn't a saw or a knife or anything. It was just like a. I guess it must have been a metal. I don't know. But we know that guy's going to die. And later on, Big Bad is like checking on him and his head rolls off, which I thought was funny. But the way that that scene, the strangling scene is cut, is it's in this marble room with all these sort of Roman statues. And as he's being strangled, yeah, the camera cuts up to them. And I think a really comedic way. I don't know if that was supposed to be intense, but it was very funny to me. Yeah. And I almost want to rewatch this movie with the idea that it's self-aware about some of these tropes. Because I giggled quite a bit throughout this. And I think maybe I missed the point. Well, yeah, maybe, or that maybe that was the point. Yeah, maybe it's supposed to be, I, I won't go so far as to say commentary about this kind of movie, but maybe it's just leaning into those tropes and trying to have fun with it. And I will still say it's not fun enough, probably, but at least I would be a little bit more understanding if I just somehow missed the joke. Yeah, I feel like it was trying to be self-serious to be satire. Yeah, I think so too. But I don't, is, there's a couple of moments like that where I'm like, this is objectively a funny way to shoot this. So, right? What's going on? <laughs> yeah. Like, am I supposed to giggle? Because it's making me want to giggle. Totally. But like everything else about the movie is telling me I should take it seriously. But yeah, Man, some dude. of the filming choices were like the, yeah. the voyeuristic statues were hilarious. So good. There's also to, to the opposite end of that. When, when Angelo's fish store starts burning down, he, I mean, he oh loses it to the point that I leaned over and I said, I was like, is somebody like trapped inside there? And I guess not. It was just. You know, his family's business, it was everything they owned. There were pictures of their wedding on the wall that you saw getting burned, which I thought was a nice emotional touch. But that actor, um, I'm going to find his name, really, really committed to that moment. And it's just, yeah, it's if, if that movie was supposed to be funny at points, he he nobody told him. I'll tell you right? that. Right? It reminded me of a really kind of famous on the internet uh, allergy medication commercial. Are you familiar with the, uh, like, I think it's Flonase allergy or I mean, Allegra. I mean, I know, I know I take Allegra. I know what Flonase is, but I've not seen the so, commercial. So there's this one ad. Uh, it's the one, I don't know if you watch like cable television at all, but there's this one ad that's gotten internet famous where it's this giant like plant allergy monster. And it's like Godzilla style, like rampaging okay. through a city. And everyone's like, Oh no, we need to take some Flonase or whatever. Okay. <laughs> and there's this one woman that is like letting out this blood curdling scream and like running from this thing like it's about to murder her whole family. And she is just like, she's at a 10 and everyone else is at like a four acting wise. Do and you it think is- she knew? <laughs> like, do you think, because obviously there's no grass monster, which is what it's called, by the way. So, right. like, maybe the directors of the commercial thought this would be so funny. It, like maybe we film her part first and tell her, <laughs> tell don't even tell her. Like she probably didn't even know what she's auditioning for. Like there's a monster short film that we're doing. We need you to scream. <laughs> and then they dial everybody else back. And that's, and it, it worked. Cause we're talking about this video. Dude, in my head, I hope so. Because it is the funniest thing ever. <laughs> Just how head and shoulders above the seriousness of everyone else. She's taking it. I am so glad that that made it on this podcast because that is a cultural moment. And that, was that fishmonger. He was yeah. just, yeah. he was at a 10. And his wife on her hands and knees, like full on like godfather, just weeping in the street, like super dramatic. Yeah. Like yeah. 
it was so over the top. I wanted to give him some Flonase. Dude, I also love that Enzo's, the doctor, his 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 treatment of everything non-medical is to hug you and pat you on the back. Yep. Like cops family like gets beat up. He, you know, he gets punched in the face. He just kind of like taps him on the back. It'll be all right. I've been through a lot. I'm a doctor guys fish place burns down. He literally hugs him, pats him on the back and gives him like a knowing nod. Like I've been through this before young man. He does it like five times in the movie and it's fantastic. Yep. He's the comforting Italian grandfather. Yeah. That's it. Who's also conveniently a doctor for the purposes Mm -hmm. of the plot. Yep. Do you have anything else on the threequalizer, sir? No, so much, so no, so much no that I might start bringing up other commercials. Okay, great. Uh, I need to grab myself a beer, so I'm going to fish it out of my hotel room here in the fridge, uh, and we'll be right back after this fun sound of a grass monster attacking a town. Okay, my turn to have a beer, my friend. Like you said earlier, and I want to say improperly, lychee Jaime, and we're going to say it's lychee Heim. I think that's right. And this is from uh, Onaby Beer out of Sacramento. They're a pilot brewing out of Jackrabbit's facility, which is a brew- brewery we've done, I don't know, two or three or four times on the show. Uh, I didn't right. know that when I bought this can. I just saw the can, and it caught my eye uh, in craft, at craft, rather, here in Reno. It's a fruited sour. It is 4.2%, and I will read you some stuff from their website, which I thought was kind of nice. First about the word Heim, and then about the beer itself. Um, I shall tell you what's on the can first. It's this purple and orange, shimmery, shiny can, and there's a woman, almost, almost anime style, like a cross between some video game and anime, and she is in a sort of witch robe or wizard robe with a belt around her waist with a giant belt buckle or emerald or 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 pendant of some kind there is a katana on her left hip her left hand is pointed up in the air with her elbow at a 90 degree angle her hand is purple her her nails are extended into claws and there is a swirly blue and purple tornado of magic around her and there is a rune sort of superimposed in the background. And there's a weird <laughs> um, um, f- frog with fangs and crazy eyebrows twice her size over her left shoulder. Hell yeah. The the runes kind of remind me of a um, Doctor Strange type thing happening. That's a really great way of putting it. Yeah, but instead of orange, it's kind of purple. That's a, mm-hmm. That's a very good common cultural touchstone. Oh, and in her right hand is a staff, a scepter, really. Wizard staff. Wizard staff. So Heim, uh, in that same token, is directly translated from something to lady or princess. And this particular one is a sorceress who can raise any army, sorry, an army of monsters filled with Y-O-K-I. Johnny, that's your job. Filled with yokai Yokai. and the undead. Although versions of her story vary from different regions of Japan, the stories of her attempts in overthrowing the Japanese emperor had become quite popular during the Edo period. In a rebellion against the Japanese emperor, she summoned an army of skeletons and many yokai to fight alongside her while riding her giant toad, nice, uh, yokai, known as Ogama. She clashed with the samurai Mitsukuni and his brave soldiers as they defended Soma Castle. She unleashed, oh boy, she unleashed a Gasha Dakuro, a giant skeleton, 
upon Mitsukuni during the fight. In the end, despite her magic, she and her army were defeated and her rebellion failed. There's a lot of um, Japanese culture that this brewery strives to incorporate into American beers, and I think that's obviously where this comes from, but I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a bit. As far as the beer goes, they say this. Crisp and refreshing beer, light fruit flavors that complement the sour ale, both the lychee floral and raspberry tart flavors in the front and the sour ale tartness at the end, the fruit flavors add a complexity to the sour ale, but do not overpower, making it a great choice for pairing with foods. Do you know what a yokai is? Uh, it is um, a Japanese, mythical Japanese demon. Just sort of a generic demon? Yeah, so it's kind of like, um, you know, you're raising skeletons, but then there's like the full-on like summoning uh, like a minor demon. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, that's more. I should have really read through that once before I took a swing at it, but I think I think I did okay. There were a lot of she sounds a lot of words awesome. She does sound awesome, and I guess this, it sounds to me like Japanese folklore rather than p- perhaps Japanese true history. Uh, well, would, unless would, you believe yes. in the the reality of of necromancers sure. and their ability to raise skeleton armies, yeah. Tony, we what's your experience with beers with lychee or lychee in general for that matter? <laughs> you're about to ask me what my experience is with necromancy (laughs) no i'm a big fan glad you asked max big fan um no lychee i'm familiar with the fruit in like um a lychee flavor like i've had lychee soju uh i think i've had lychee sake i do not believe that i've ever had a lychee flavored and i've had lychee tea which was very good uh, but I don't think I've ever had a lychee flavored beer. Man, I it sounds so familiar to me. I feel like we've done one on the show, and I I didn't. I don't have our our beer compendium in front of us, so I can't be sure. But even then, our beer compendium doesn't always put the adjuncts, so it might just be a beer that was named something else and happened to have lychee. Right. That said, it seems like an exotic enough ingredient that if you go to the trouble to brew with it, you'll probably stick it right there in the name, like this totally. one. Totally. Um, but yep. I, you know, can't say for certain. Uh, but you so like have lychee. you ever have you ever had a lychee fruit, dude? I don't think so. It's I'm gonna look it up real quick. It's, yeah, it's like a, it's almost like a like a weird looking strawberry, but then you cut it open and there's a it's like a gelatinous pit. almost kind of. What were you saying? And there's a and if it's got a pit, you don't eat the weird, pit, right? No, it's like a weird stone fruit, like a nectarine or something. Very like strawberry pear vibes happening with a lychee. It feels like it's a berry to me, but that's maybe more the texture than anything else. Yeah. I don't know. I'm curious what that does in the the realm of a sour beer with raspberry. On paper, this sounds like it's going to be delicious. Right. So let, let me, if you don't mind buying me just a couple more seconds, I will try it one more time to get my, my really my initial thoughts cemented. Yeah. I am very curious if I've ever had a lychee beer. I don't think I have. If I have, it was forgettable. So this one might be a chance to... Put the lychee beers on the map for us. This is really good, man. It's super mellow. It's very mellow. There's a ton of tartness from the raspberry, but it's it's almost like it's it's almost like somebody threw a raspberry that was screaming in a box and slammed the lid down. Okay. If that makes sense in any kind of way, which I think it does. <laughs> Just a weird analogy. Because there's still a ton of raspberry, but it's not nearly as sharp as something you might have. In a in a fully raspberry forward beer, even like something like a like a new Glarus beer would be, where it's it's extremely fruit forward. Mm-hmm. There is in tandem 
with the tamping down of that bright bitterness and sweetness from the raspberry, you almost do get a, a muted kind of muffled, what's the right word to describe this? Like a mustiness almost, like a subdued okay. mustiness. And I, I wish I could have more of a an, an experience bank in my head for what lychee is, or I'd love if you could try this with me because I think you might be able to pinpoint some of the the notes that are specifically lychee versus raspberry. But for me, it just tastes like a raspberry beer that's been really mellowed out. Well, I think anything that gives you kind of a pear vibe, because, you know, pears can have that kind of earthy, grainy, um, like a musty fruit quality at some point. Okay, you know, I'll tell have... you, it's nothing like a pear. Okay. This is nothing like that. Uh, that's not super helpful. I don't have anything to counter with, but I, I will tell you, it does not taste like anything like a pear does. Well, all right. Um, I also kind of was expecting, maybe it's because of the color of the can or the association with the color of raspberry and lychee. I was expecting something to be maybe a red beverage and it's not, it looks like, it looks like a Pilsner or even a West coast IPA. It's got more of a kind of an orange thing going on. Ton of yeah, combination. Look, looking at pictures online, it just looks like a, a beer colored beer. Very, I wouldn't have guessed it was a sour. No, you could, I wouldn't have guessed it was a raspberry fruited sour for me. Mm-mm. You could you could totally pull a classic like milk when you're expecting orange juice or vice versa prank on somebody with this. You could, you could mm-hmm. be like, hey, let me try an IPA, and you give them this because you know, on appearance, why not? But yeah. it is. I mean, there's no mistaking this for an IPA. I, you know, it's much <laughs> too much too intense. Give me a like a the sliding scale of sour from intolerable, we hate it, being a ten, to no sourness at all, being a zero. Does that mean like the perfect score is a five? Because, like, you want some sour but not too much? Is that what we're going for? Yeah, I think so. Well, then it's pretty good. It's maybe a four. It's okay. it's not skewing into overly tart or overly sour or acidic necessarily. There, I mean, there is some of that, of course. You're going to have that when you get into sour territory. But what what do you remember the beer we did possibly last week or maybe the week before? We did a sour beer, and I think we might have been recording together. So, Oh, it was the one from Crooked Stave. It was, yeah. Uh, yeah, something like that. It was, uh, or, or, or it could have been local snacks also. Mm, I'm yep. of flora, but either way, yep. one of those two beers veered way hard into the heartburn acidity neighborhood. And this doesn't come close to that, which I quite enjoy. It's also not necessarily doing anything super exciting in terms of flavor for me, which is not to say it's not enjoyable, just perhaps not super memorable. Okay. Okay. Would, would you want it to be a little bit more sour? Maybe. I mean, it's it's a really slippery slope, that one, because too much more sour, obviously, and it starts to be a bit of a turnoff. You know, I almost would like to see some more sweetness come through. I think there's a pretty fair amount of sourness, given the relatively light body and, and high carbonation. I, I wish it had a little more. Yeah, I think a little more sweetness would do it for me. Okay. So some more like maybe some jammy sweetness. From yeah, the there's, there's, there's almost the perception of a vinegar kind of tang here. Mm-hmm. That kind of punchiness. Um, and I know some people, you know, some people love drinking apple cider vinegar, or at least they say mm-hmm. that, and they do it because it's good for their immune system. Yeah. I can't drink apple cider vinegar straight. It makes me literally almost throw up. I gag. I, I can't get it down. It's uh, very vinegary. It's very, but it's not, you know, it's not the same as drinking white vinegar, which I don't know anybody who does, does that for their health, but yeah, some people can do it. <laughs> and like, I, I can, you know, I've done it where like I'll mix in like cayenne pepper and honey and hot water and lemon and and I'll I'll get that tincture down. 
and there's I just wish the honey is the is the part of that that works for me because it adds a sweetness that kind of masks the stabbiness of the vinegar tang. And and I'm spending too much focus here on apple cider vinegar. This doesn't really taste like vinegar, but there is a sharp, punchy tanginess that I also get from apple cider vinegar. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah, it does. Because that's a very specific flavor in any beer that reminds me of that. It's hard to get out of your head. Yeah. So, and I, I do think those flavors work here. I just think it needs to be augmented a little bit by potentially more raspberry or, or something certainly that adds a little, yeah, like you said, a little more jammy sweetness to the overall experience. All right. Would you drink it again? You know, the, the, it's one of those situations where, you know, so number one, first time I've had this brewery, number two, a lot of care and consideration placed into the artwork, the backstory, the, the, the motivation behind this beer is always something I appreciate. So yeah, I'd probably try it again, but I would be more interested to try another beer from this brewery. Okay. Okay. And, and that is available around here. I've seen it oh, good. in stores in Chico too. So yeah, they're, they're, they're making the rounds. So if this is something you'd be interested in trying, or I would be, uh, you, the listener, me, me, the host, sure. uh, it's, it's accessible. Yeah, we're also not allowed to say specifically how much this costs since we are on the radio, but I will say it's pretty affordable for a pint can. And if you're going out with the expectation of buying a microbrew craft beer in a pint, you will be happily surprised by this price point. Fair enough? And very, yeah. Okay, I could see that. And very, very light on the ABV too, which I like. Yeah, totally. It's it's always nice to have that kind of, because so often it feels like the option for a low ABV craft beer ends up being something like a Pilsner or a Kolsch or some kind of lager. So to have, or God forbid a session IPA, right? <laughs> but to have something like this, that is so out of the box in terms of flavors and similarities to those beers. I think this is a wonderful, uh, wonderful choice. Young Maxwell out of 10. Yeah. I don't know. It's a six. It's above average. I drink it again. It's fun. It's a good time. All right. It's a very fine. Beer. Yeah. That's, that's lychee Heim again, um, from Onabi out of Sacramento. And once again, you've been listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, possibly on KZFR 90.1 FM. If you do have feedback on anything we've discussed today, you can call or text us 530-433-0839. Again, that number 530-433-0839. Or just send us a good old fashioned email to fhccast at gmail.com. And as a reminder to our radio listeners, if you want to hear the rest of today's conversation, which includes the always unpredictable hot and bothered segment, or if you want to go digging through six plus years worth of episodes going all the way back to 2016, you're going to head over to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema. That's right. We'll be back on the radio waves of KZFR next Saturday at 4 p.m. So until then, consume some delicious movies and watch some great beers that broaden your horizons. And if you enjoyed the show, you can leave a tip at kzfr.org. Org. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. And to those of you currently, uh, I don't know, getting out for a hike in the forest or cleaning your bathroom and listening to us in podcast form, we'll be right back with Hot and Bothered. Hot and Bothered. All right. Welcome to Hot and Bothered, everybody. It's the portion of the show where we catch up on what's going on with our weeks. Usually that pertains to movies and beers or shows and uh, usually somewhere in the, in the uh, you know, periphery of those topics. So I'm going to start, mm -hmm. and I, today I'll tell you the tale of the Great Flood of Auditorium 10 Nice at Century Summit Sierra here in Reno. It's a theater that I frequent when I'm in town for their attention to customer service and cleanliness and selection of quality concessions, and overall, 
great cinema going experience. Today, what happened? I saw the Threequalizer, and I went in with my things and my things today because I had eaten lunch right before. So I didn't even I didn't even let's be real. I looked at the concessions and then I was asked, "Are you even hungry?" I said, "Not really. It's just a habit." So my hands were not as full as usual, but I had a water bottle, I had my wallet, my phone, my keys, a pair of sunglasses. That's pretty much it. So as we're getting situated, I put my water bottle in one cup holder. These are the big recliners, by the way. There's plenty of space. Water bottle in one. In the other goes my wallet, my keys, my sunglasses. Phone Mm -hmm. stays tucked between my legs in a safe environment in case it vibrates or starts going off. I have this horrible fear of my phone going off in theaters because it's rude. Mm -hmm. Anyways, watch the movie, whatever. I go to retrieve my water bottle at the end of the day, the end of the movie. It's great. It's empty, but it's fine. Then I go to retrieve my wallet, my keys, my glasses, and I put my glasses on my face to just kind of hold them for a second. And, and they're a little wet. And I think, oh, no, what has happened to my glasses? Then I pull out my phone and my wallet and in the reservoir of that cup holder, and it's probably like a three inch deep cup holder. You know what I mean? It's not the one mm-hmm. where it's like, a, a you know, a, a basket and then stuff falls through. It's a, it's insulated. It's a cup. You could fill it up with soda if you wanted to. I don't know why the fuck you would do that. But you could, mm-hmm. and somebody did, and no. I didn't notice. And it wasn't full. It was about halfway full or half empty with my nearest guess was like a strawberry Fanta situation. Okay. And my wallet being leather and multi-layered and filled with cards and compartments had absorbed Ugh. a good several ounces of this. No. So I go to pull it out. The wallet slips out of my hands because it's so wet and and inundated with this syrupy goodness that I suppose was from somebody's drink. You know, come to think of it, it could have been an icy. It could have been a cherry icy. Though I caught a 1230 screening. I don't know. Maybe it was from the night before. Should have done more investigating. Anyways, it doesn't let it ruin my day. So I would go to the bathroom. I'm like setting up shop in the theater bathroom. And it's me and old people because it's 1230 on a Tuesday. There's no like young hip kids going to movies then. It's just us. And all these old men who have been peeing every hour are, you know, back in their bathroom. And I've taken over their favorite sink. It's the best sink. And I've just taken out all my cards and I've laid out my wallet, all like these receipts I have, which are ruined. And I'm just individually washing each card. Like I'm literally laundering my wallet in the bathroom (laughs) and I'm getting looks. And I'm like, I don't, in my brain, I'm like, I don't know what you want me to do. Like it's soaked. So I have to do this. So I'm like washing the wallet. I'm like, I'm like pressing it and squeezing out all the juice. I rinse it again and squeeze and it's still syrup. And I rinse and I squeeze and syrup, 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 finally get it done. It took me like 10 minutes. And I put, you know, I put all my cards in my pocket, then ended up having to put my wallet on the dashboard of my car. Cause it was hot in there. Uh, and it's still drying out. So that was my experience today with the great flood of auditorium 10. And I just wanted to share my movie going experience and you know what? It wasn't even that bad, but it was just a break in the routine that I felt like documenting. Oh, that'd make me blood red mad. Like I felt my, you know, that's where I was at. I felt my blood boiling while you were telling that story. <laughs> it's like, I don't think, I mean, if it was on purpose, that's a pretty, pretty great prank. Cause you don't check the cup holder before you put your stuff in there. But I, I think more than this. likely it was accidental and an oversight by the cleaning crew. So whatever, that's that's the worst thing that's happened to me today. So pretty good day. Now I ask you this: Did you flip the cup holder up so it would like splash out? Did you let the staff know, or did you leave that trap laid for the next moviegoer? So this particular theater, the cup holders do not flip up. They are part of 
they're not part of the armrest. The armrest does come up and down, but okay. the couplers are built into the seat device. Uh, and I do regret to inform you, I did not tell anybody, and I didn't. It didn't cross my mind, but I could have been like, "Oh, hey, so you guys know there's a thing." Um, but no, that would have been the right thing to do. I didn't, so somebody else is gonna get gonna get goosed by that. Man, someone's else gonna someone else is gonna have a bothered story about that theater. Yeah, probably. And if you're listening now, let us know. You can text us 530-433-0839. That was off memory. <laughs> Boom. I guess I've got the Look number. At you. All right, dude. What's up with your life? Not much, dude. I had like the most predictable weekend off ever. I All right, as usual, the show. <laughs> yep. Hundred percent. Exactly what you think I did, I did. I barbecued some meat. I watched the UFC on Saturday and I watched football all day on Sunday. Had some family over to watch football. It was fun. Um, yeah, nothing really out of the ordinary. Didn't watch any movies, just been watching suits. So yeah, I don't have I don't have much to bring to the table this week. That's okay. You don't have to force it. You also came and saw me play at a show, which I thought was nice. I did. That was Friday night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a blast. Was that a blast. was probably the highlight of the weekend. Well, that's a note to end on. You good? Yeah. All right, as usual, this show wouldn't be what it is without the support of Bailey Minardi and everybody on Patreon. My name is Max Minardi. My name is Johnny Thump. Johnny Thummers? Johnny oh my Thummers. God. He's all thumbs, baby. <laughs> hey, two thumbers <laughs> way up. Uh, enjoy yourselves. Uh, be good to each other. Watch something interesting and tell us about it. I mean, that's really all we want. So we'll see you next week, guys. Bye. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.